0: Welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a podcast about non-monogamy for messy people like us. I'm Sarah, a queer therapist, writer, parent, and journalist.
1: And I'm her husband, Alex. I work in communication and education. I'm the father of
2: Sarah's children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to add accomplished liar to my (laughs) bio. Yes.
2: And I'm Jessica, the resident monogamist for the podcast here producing and... I've never told a lie in my life, especially not to either of you.
0: That's why we have you on the show today. Yeah. Um, we had to search far and wide, uh, and then it was such a surprise that the one person we could find who had never told a single lie was already uh, our producer.
1: Yep. Very convenient. Honest to a fault, and <laughs> everyone hates her because of
2: <laughs> That better be just a lie. Kidding, just kidding. It's a lie. It's
1: a joke. <laughs> Similar to a lie. Yeah, so if you didn't get the idea already, today we're talking about... Lying, honesty, power, and how all of that shows up in relationships, um, both in monogamy and non-monogamy. Um, Sarah, tell us why we, why did we start talking about this?
0: All right. Well, it's Bell Hooks' fault. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine actually asked if I had ever read Bell Hooks' book, All About Love, and I realized I had not. Uh, I had read maybe some excerpts from it in college, and I was like, whoa. I... Which
1: is shocking because you've read every single important work of feminist theory.
0: <sighs> exactly.
1: <laughs> that's what you're making it sound like.
0: Uh, that's, that's exactly what I meant to imply.
1: <laughs> People <laughs> might be surprised to hear that Sarah had not read that
0: book. Well, I also appreciated that this friend then was maybe faux-shocked. They were like, what? You haven't read all about love? Let's make a book club. So we did. Um... And I guess I was surprised that I hadn't read it because it is an important work about relationships and especially relationships between men and women and the kind of archetypal roles men and women play in really traditional and patriarchal settings. Um, And I don't know if y'all notice this about me, but those are themes that I'm interested in. (laughs) So, uh, Hooks is a theorist and writer on race, feminism, and class, um, this book came out in 2000 and it critiques l- romantic love and how we conceptualize of it in modern society. That
1: all sounds very high-minded. I am
0: really smart and is super important smart? and I am pushing my glasses up my <laughs> nose right now.
1: But don't worry because this is not going to be a boring episode of the podcast, I promise.
0: Everybody it's already be turned juicy. it off. <laughs>
1: Uh, wait! Don't don't touch that dial. Um, we're gonna talk about lies that we've told each other, and kind of examples of other lies uh, that get told in relationships, and um, maybe how we can learn to accept and transcend our instincts to be dishonest.
0: How to love the liar within? Ooh! I'm just workshopping titles. No,
1: but seriously, I think everybody does, and like uh, we, we don't want to present like lies like. Lying is like with a capital L, bad people lie, good people don't, right? Everybody does. And there's like certainly a spectrum of like, and actually this comes up in this book a little bit. I listened to another podcast about it where they were sort of quibbling with the idea. She was like, if I get a gift and I don't like that gift, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) And then they went on this whole tangent about like, really? Um, So uh, clearly that just like kind of illustrates like our discomfort with the truth maybe and how it's like very sort of like socially acceptable to sugarcoat things in and certain certain uh settings or whatever
0: any social contract is going to require fibbing mm-hmm. basically
1: right yeah but then when it comes to intimacy and I think the chapter is so we're kind of talking about the third chapter of this book that's titled honesty and something something um and it's really about like intimacy and honesty, be true to love, uh, and how you can't, how difficult intimacy is if there's not honesty, and like how the two things kind of go together, but that sort of like dishonesty and lies kind of like permeate society, especially in romantic relationships, especially across gender. Um, Sarah, will you read the opening quote of this chapter?
0: Ooh, yes I will. <gasps> Look, it's got red pencil marks all pink. over it. That's how, pink. bubblegum. Like bubblegum bubble pink. <laughs> That's how you know it's important. And feminist. (laughs) When we reveal ourselves to our partner and find that this brings healing rather than harm, we make an important discovery that intimate relationship can provide a sanctuary from the world of facades, a sacred space where we can be ourselves as we are. This kind of unmasking, speaking our truth, sharing our inner struggles, and revealing our raw edges is sacred activity which allows two souls to meet and touch more deeply. John Wellwood, uh, lifted directly from his Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has games, you yeah. I mean, his name is Wellwood. He's getting a lot of... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's all really nice. Uh, honesty and openness um, advance intimacy, right? Um, that's kind of what that quote's saying. But I don't think that's usually what happens in most relationships necessarily, right?
0: I mean, my first answer is no. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much that's informed by being a relationship and couples therapist. <laughs> um, people don't usually come and see me because they're like, you know, our communication has just been radically honest and open. I mean, I would right. say that like the number one challenge that people have in intimate relationships is is, is exactly that. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. And it's not necessarily what we're, Encouraged or trained to do.
1: Right. And so it's kind of your job to like help facilitate people having that honest and open communication. And maybe having another external person to be accountable to helps with that, right?
0: Sitting there eating popcorn, Mm -hmm. being like, then what happened? Um,
1: okay, I brought a clip, too. I'm very Ooh. well prepared today. Uh, so we were watching uh, last night the show Beef, um, which is a great show. I think it has tons of deception, self-obscuring... Not to spoil anything for anybody, I think it's pretty clear from the get go that it's just a bunch of really
0: healthy people in healthy relationships, just doing some good modeling for us, basically. Yes. Um, (laughs) And it has Ali Wong uh, is starring in it, and she's hilarious and incredible. It's a great show. Um,
1: And yeah, let's let's hear the clip, and then we can kind of talk about. This is like the the her and her husband are sort of like the maybe the culmination of a conflict that they're having. Had so many opportunities to tell me.
0: You know, I've been like this my entire
2: life. I want to blame my parents, but um,
0: I think it's just me.
1: I feel like I married a stranger.
2: George, I'm a bad person. I've tried to hide that from you because as good as it gets. That's why I fell in love with you.
1: Okay, I'm going to stop it before the spoiler. Uh, But (laughs) you get the idea. She thinks she's bad and has to lie about who she is because he's better than her, right? That's kind of like what she's saying.
0: Yeah, and there's this kind of dynamic that I think is probably recognizable to many of us that we fall for someone that we perceive to have these like more high value characteristics. They're more moral than us. They're, they're better than us. They're good. And through them loving us, we will have our own parts of our personality that we really dislike or think of as bad, somehow transmuted or, um, forgiven or I don't know
1: yeah which is interesting because like who's it's not it's like everybody thinks that the people on both sides of the relationship think that like imagine that you you think that about your partner is your partner just like yeah totally and i like you because i'm too good and you're bad and so we're good <laughs> balance way, you know like
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think of this term. I think we've used on this show before um, the idea of like shadow alchemy between people that it's like there's all of the things that we show the world and that we would show our partners that might draw us to each other. But then there's all the shadow side that we don't show that's more obscured or that we feel ashamed about or that we haven't really like looked at, explored or integrated. And that also draws us to people. Um, mm-hmm. For better, for worse, I would like to say usually for better, if you're both willing to get curious about that shadow side. But Yeah,
1: yeah. and, like, I guess the arc of a lot of relationships, like the way that we get into a deep relationship mm-hmm. with somebody is, like, by sort of revealing, slowly revealing more and more of ourselves, right? Rather mm-hmm. than, it's not like you put it all out there at the beginning, necessarily, or probably. You definitely don't.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about, didn't you and I have, like, we were making some sort of cynical joke about the trajectory of sort of toxic, monogamous dating and pairing off? Where you're like, I'm just trying to find the person that I have enough chemistry with, that the new relationship energy lasts long enough that we get really committed to each other before the shadow comes out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we can't run. Yeah. (laughs) Which is super cynical, but also... I mean, I see I see myself in that, so...
1: Yeah, and I guess that, like, yeah, that de- definitely feels like a pattern that people go through, but also, like, you really have to believe in yourself as kind of, like, unlovable to, like, want to do that, right? Hmm. To want to do that for too long.
0: Jessica's doing a lot yeah. of fancy nodding over here, <laughs> yeah, and I want to know about these nods. <laughs> yeah, well, let's
2: see. I mean... I think we were having that conversation the other day, Sarah, and I've been thinking about it a lot. But I think the thing that I that also comes back to for me, and maybe this is just the journey I am on right now, but that, you know, we think about, I mean, that it's just, it's like about your relationship with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And about being, not lying to yourself. Like, that's the first person that we lie to is ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not even possible Uh, yeah i mean which i guess is like what she's saying what all of us are saying here that like that we think i don't know yeah
0: it's partly about where we learn the concept of highly conditional love and i think like that show beef goes into this really deeply certainly any couples or relationship therapist is going to be like I almost said by the third episode, which really Uh, reinforces (laughs) this idea of me just sitting there eating popcorn. (laughs) By the third session, you're going to be like, tell me about your parents. Uh, Tell me about your relationship with your parents. Because at some point, we learn to lie from our parents. We learn to do like little white lies or Mm -hmm. little like fibs, you know, the kind of lies that just like grease social wheels. Say you love an auntie that you haven't seen for three years, you know, say you love the present that you got that you didn't. Um, you learn like little lies to keep out of getting in trouble about like eating more candy than you were supposed to. Um, and you learn that because you also watch your parents do that. Right. And then you also learn these like hiding lies, which are like, maybe you start getting the message that there are parts of you that are too difficult for your family. Um, And you start worrying that if you showed those parts of yourself, that you would lose love.
1: Hmm. I'm I'm just smiling because I'm thinking about how our, our daughter admitted... The other day that she had peed in the plant.
0: In <laughs> That's right. Uh,
1: but then she kind of a unadmitted house plant? It. Yeah, in the houseplant, like mm. a big houseplant on the big ficus. Mm-hmm. She peed in the ficus when I was in the bathroom. Um, but then she was mm-hmm. like, no, I didn't do that. And I honestly still do not know uh, what is true. And I kind of love that because it's like, I don't know if she was proud of making up some outlandish shit that she did. Or actually did it and was, like, obscuring that, but then admitted it. But clearly she's not, like, deep in shame about it. She's like,
0: tee Well, and this is where lies and power start to intersect. And Belle Hooks talks about this a lot in Chapter 3, is that's what kids are often playing with, and you can see our daughter playing with that, yeah. where she's like, what happens if I admit this? What happens if I lie about it? Mm-hmm. What happens if I lie and then admit the truth like she's just trying a bunch of combinations to see like what kind of power might I be able to exert in this situation what sort of you know reactions might I provoke what does it mean to play with the truth like this? So I say that because it's also like perfectly natural to play with those things, and there's nothing inherently wrong with it. We're raising our kids really well, they're super well adjusted, yeah. everybody. I swear. I think,
2: <laughs> of course. I need a sound effect for this episode uh-huh. that's yes. just like, <laughs> it's, all, it's also
1: perfectly natural to pee in a plant. <laughs> I thought it was a great choice of you Problem have to pee, solving for the only We're have one sourceful. bathroom like us. Yeah, pee in that plant. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about. In the show, it's kind of interesting. This scene we just heard was like her sort of coming clean about like with herself and with her husband. And like the two main characters in the show are both like kind of in conflict because they're like sort of angry and uptight and like can't express themselves. And then they each have a foil who's sort of like good, right? Like her husband is just presented as like, like she's saying in that scene, he's just like really good. And the guy's brother both kind of like naively good and like they're alienated from those people because they feel like i'm the bad one and they're the good one and yeah i don't want to like go too deep on like where the show goes but it's just like interesting that they have this thing in common kind of
0: right and the good ones are sort of presented as being a little bit dumb right which i also feel Mm -hmm. like is kind of relevant here when we're talking about like power and truth and some of the hierarchies in Yeah, and maybe they're
1: sort of foils, like they're not like real people, or mm-hmm. sort of a storytelling device to to make you understand the the main characters a little bit more. Anyway, oh, watch uh, the show. The, yeah, watch <laughs> the show. Um, this is all very abstract and high-minded.
0: Um, That's because I'm avoiding the next yeah, part the of the next this. section is <laughs> podcast.
1: Lies that we have told mm-hmm. to each other. Mhm. Um I feel like in sort of the pre-non-monogamy iteration of our relationship, um, there were some sort of, like, big ones. Yep. And uh, when we were kind of discussing this episode, like, you sort of told me one that it wasn't, like, new information to me, but I hadn't really, like, remembered it. It didn't, like, stick in my brain. uh, And then you sort of resurfaced it. Um, So, yeah, and I thought it was really interesting how it kind of fit in with the kind of thing that... um, Bell Hooks was talking about, just sort of like there's sort of like these cliched
0: gendered lies. Um Do you want to introduce Bell Hooks's theory about that or talk about nah. the lies for- damn it! I just keep trying <laughs> nah, to stall
1: we'll do the theory afterwards. <laughs> but I can go first. Do you want me to go first? Deal. Okay. So I guess it's now clear that we're talking about ourselves. We'll talk about some other people later, but So I'll just talk about myself and the first person. I was gonna like do it in the third person in some dumb way, but I'm not going to. Um yeah so uh you know there was a time and we've talked about this on the podcast before but there was a time in our relationship where i was sort of slowly developing feelings for a coworker, um and rather than like saying anything about that to you i just like totally kept it internal did not talk about it i think i i definitely like sort of indulge thinking about it to myself. It's not like I was like lying to myself about it. Maybe I was lying to myself about like whether it mattered or was important or not, but it was certainly like internally acknowledged but not externally. Um and then I like made efforts to spend time with that person that would sometimes like to sort of like logistically impact our lives. I'd be like I'm going to the office t- today and like have reasons that were, the emotional reason was probably wanting to like have lunch with that person. And instead I made it sound like I had to do something else. So like a sort of bigger emotional uh, withholding that spread into like more like sort of logistical, smaller falsehoods. Um, And then when it sort of started to come out because like I was just very like upset about a work transition that was impacting that, relationship and kind of making it and um then i didn't like tell you what i was like too deep in in that too far down the rabbit hole to like i mean i i could have but i decided not to like tell you about it um and even when you asked me about it i was like sort of gaslight you like no i don't know what you're talking about it's just this thing or it's just that thing Mm
0: mm-hmm yeah i remember all that yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep yep that seems just like a pretty close to... <laughs> accounting of what happened
1: uh-huh <laughs> just wanted to bring it up again yeah you know um because yes. we're all better people now mm-hmm. um yeah and it's it just like seems like that is pretty obviously specific but like pretty classic um i want to say like pretty classic man lying to his wife stuff um so that was very... When we started talking about this, I was like, oh, duh. Like, that's a very ready, important example in my life. Like, probably one of the biggest, like, dramatic points of conflict and hard feelings in my life. Um, and then I was like, what about you? Mm. And like I said, I was sort of surprised at what you came up
0: with. Yeah, well, as, as we've been discussing this episode... I have more examples. <laughs> <laughs> Um But the one that really surfaced quickly reading this chapter of Bell Hooks was when I was getting when we were deciding mm-hmm. to have our first kid. Um, and I had like a lot of ambivalence, I would say, about having a kid. I had long thought that I didn't want to, um, and then I had long known that I did but didn't want to admit that to myself or anyone else because the implications of that for my career, my identity, my relationships felt like really frightening. And also just internalized misogyny and uh, unresolved, probably too current day unresolved feelings about motherhood Um, and my own mother, you know? So all of that just like was crowding around and making it really hard for me to be in touch with what I actually wanted. Um, let alone communicate that to you. So I wasn't really talking to you about it, that ambivalence very much as I was mm-hmm. experiencing it. Um, and then kind of my memory of how this went was a little bit out of nowhere. I was like, so I've been thinking that I want to have a kid. And you were like, yeah, I've been thinking that too. That sounds cool. Um, and really attuned and thoughtful and like a very kind partner and I got really excited really fast. Um, it helped that we were on a beautiful beach in Mexico. It did. You. It did help. Um, you're, good just, at, you're good with framing. A note to everyone. <laughs> the setting matters.
1: <laughs> it wasn't like Tuesday morning, 7.55 a.m. It's raining.
0: <laughs> you're like, do you want a future where 7.55 a.m. Yeah. feels like sleeping in? Yeah, right. Why don't we have a kid? Yeah. Um, but I remember us talking about it and you're like, you know, I don't know that I'm ready for this to happen right away. Um, but I am up for us like kind of taking our time and moving towards it. And I was like, totally. Yeah, that's me too. That Uh sounds exactly like the way I feel as well. Uh, which was a lie because I suddenly just felt panicked. Like I immediately, I was like, I'm 35 years old. I might not be able to have a kid. I've like stated this desire that was really hard for me to get to. And now I'm afraid that it won't happen. Um, or it's too late or, you know, it, it'll be really difficult or, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of fear that I had around that. Um, but we, you and I agreed between the two of us that we were just gonna like, take it slow, stop using birth control and kind of see what happened. Uh, And I immediately ran out and got, like, ovulation sticks and, like, downloaded an app and 100% was, like, tracking and planning, like, like, and now I will seduce Alex when he comes home because it's in the window. And I wasn't telling you that. Um, And I think you were, like, sensing it because at one point you were like, this doesn't feel natural or authentic. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Here are some rose petals. I thought you were just, <laughs> it was
1: my natural animal magnetism that was drawing you to me.
0: Um, and you actually found a wrapper from one of the ovulation sticks in the garbage. I have no idea how I even knew what that was. <laughs> yeah, well yeah. I mean in both of these cases we knew something was not right. Um, And I think, like, that's kind of an important thing, and we can put a pin in it and come back to it, is, like, when people are in intimate relationship with each other, you're attuned enough to each other to know when something is wrong and when a person is lying. Yeah. And then there's the choice to engage with them directly about that or not, which then becomes, like, this shadow lie. Um, Right. And so... That was the thing that came to mind. It was an example that Bell Hooks also offered, though, in her case. She was like, I would never do something like that, because imagine tricking someone into bringing life into this world. What a shitty thing to do. And I was like, "That is pretty shitty. (laughs) I was pregnant within two months. So, whether or not you were ready for it to happen fast.
1: Mm -hmm. It happened. Boy did it it ever! I want to ask a follow-up question. How does it feel to say that out loud? Like to just like recount that.
0: I mean, it's a good question. I saying it out loud, I can access like a little bit more compassion for myself, where I'm like. I can see that younger version of myself like being really afraid and one thing that both of you know about me is if I'm scared I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to just like power through something really really fast before I can have a second thought about it. And I'm like that's what I was doing, you know. Yeah. Um but I do I also feel ashamed. Like it's not uh it's not something that I'm proud of and you know I think even activates in me like some feelings of shame about like what a hard adjustment to parenting mm-hmm. you and I both mm-hmm. had um, and whether or not that contributed to it. Right. You know?
1: Okay. I was asking because I feel like an absolute piece of shit. <laughs> i <I'm>
2: have <laughs> no
0: compassion
1: for myself. Uh, so anyone's curious. Yeah,
0: Any I can access way? that because too. Because
1: yours doesn't sound as bad to me. Because, it, I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out, is that because it's not as bad or because it's not mine?
0: I don't think, I mean, I think one of the things we're going to explore in this episode, and I'd be interested for Jessica to weigh in with some of her own experience with lying. Um, it's not like there, obviously there are some lies that are bigger. They're not right. all equal. But the betrayal is really where the harm is, if that makes sense. Like the scope of the betrayal yeah, what and makes
1: the betrayal big or small?
0: I think it or really depends, easy. and I think that can be very unique to right. people and their dynamics.
1: Yeah, well, and that gets me to the like thing, the thing in, that's in my head. Like it's not the crime; it's the cover-up, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: like, oh, this is the thing in politics. He's, a, he's always muttering this under his breath when we're listening it's to a podcast. It's always true. <laughs> it's always true. Like
1: everything that somebody gets in trouble for, like the big trouble, doesn't come from doing the thing; it comes from pretending that you don't do the thing. You didn't do the thing, mm. and like um, you know, and I think emotionally speaking, that's where there's more betrayal. Because if I was like, if I had been like, I have feelings for my coworker like early on and like let you into that, like that would have been hard for sure. And like, you would have been probably like hurt and like pissed and stuff, but it wouldn't be as damaging as you being like, you know, it getting to the point where you're like, I feel like something's wrong. And me being like, don't know what you're talking about. You know?
0: Yeah. It's like, if it's fair, if it's okay for me to jump in and say, that is the part of the story that still hurts. Hurts my tummy a little bit. Yeah. Um, is I just remember like this really specific weekend that we spent together, and like I, we were celebrating, and I had gone out of my way to like get concert tickets and like go to a hotel and all of this stuff, and in part because I could tell that there was something mm-hmm. wrong between us, and also something going on with you, and I was like, I'll just put a bunch of shit on a credit card. Right. This is another thing that I lie about, just for the record, um, and try and make it better. And it was clear that it wasn't. And I remember just like stealing myself and being like, what's really going on? Right. Because I knew what it was was big. And I was like, whatever it is, like, we won't go to the show, whatever it is. I'll be here. We'll figure it out. Um, and then I remember you telling me nothing. Yeah. And that is the part of it that still can make me have a feeling. Like, the rest of it is. Yeah pretty neutralized for me it almost ruined the wu-tang clan for me it almost almost, almost almost i was like i care about this so much that i won't go see wu-tang <laughs> and we will just deal with whatever midlife crisis you're clearly having which i was hoping could be solved by wu-tang yeah. but apparently not
1: no. subsequently it was solved by I uh but not that weekend
0: yeah uh so let's um this is too hard let's
1: talk
2: about some theory
0: uh wait wasn't jessica gonna say that she had lied sometimes
2: (laughs) oh i mean of course
0: but i i mean
2: i'm not coming up with anything half as interesting as what you guys have come
0: up with (laughs) well isn't that convenient that's rich
2: yeah
0: Yeah.
1: she's just a a
2: kindly podcast producer yeah that's right
1: um, well, let's talk about the, um, the the sort of gender binary that Bell hooks sets up uh, in terms of these lies to see if like maybe that'll bring something up for you. Okay, <laughs> I
2: um, do. Yeah, I have, mm-hmm. and I, I feel I like have thoughts that. on gender stuff and lies, anyways. But yes, I'll look for the right. I did place. find
1: it like re, you know speaking of these bad feelings. I did find reading this book and thinking about the things that I had done in that context. It made me feel better because I was like, oh, I didn't make this shit up. Absolutely right? like, not. it's not just, like, me, a sociopath, inventing lying in this way. It's, like, <laughs> it's reflections of societal
2: stuff.
0: Yeah. And similarly, I did feel better about that, even though Bell Hooks was like, I would never lie to a man about pregnancy. She was like, I do know a lot of women, <laughs> shitty people, uh, who have done that. And I was like, well, at least there's more than one. <laughs> I
1: didn't read this whole book. I only read this one chapter. She didn't actually cop to doing anything other than not uh, saying that she liked gifts. You know? Okay. So... Mm-hmm. Maybe we're better than her. Uh, I, don't
2: know. I bought that book for Curtis uh, at some point in our relationship, and I also have not ever read
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's one of those aspirational gift
0: books. <laughs> I mean, here, here you read day. this. thing. Yeah, I feel like you might read this. Uh Well, I do wanted to say, I, I did want to say about the gender binary that she is talking a lot about these archetypal, demo, uh, I'm sorry, she's talking a lot about these archetypal dynamics, between men and women and talking about it in terms of like patriarchy and power and sort of intergenerational trauma related to this. And that's kind of my caveat because so much of it is set up to be like women do this, men do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's still, it is valuable and useful because we live in a culture where those archetypes are interacting and at play and Yeah. Intersecting with patriarchy and power all the time. And like, you know.
1: Yeah. And it's maybe not like a perfect, uh, way to get out of the problems of that binary, but like, you can also think about it as like, this is a masculine and feminine version that like, maybe that does not map to your assigned or identified gender.
0: Or even this is how patriarchy. Right. Teaches us to hide from each other. Um, based on you know kind of where we identify or yeah how we were raised yeah cool caveats in place in place <laughs> caveats engaged <laughs> um
1: okay so do you want to do women first or men first <laughs> back to that binary
0: let's do men Answer
1: first carefully no. um let's okay. do men first because okay. patriarchy yeah okay Um, All right. You want, I'm going to read this stuff about that. She says about men and it's kind of in series, a bunch of different things from different places. The men I have loved have always lied to avoid confrontation or take responsibility for inappropriate behavior. Males learn to lie as a way of obtaining power. Um, And then there's this part that says from the moment little boys are taught, they should not cry or express hurt feelings of loneliness or pain They must be tough. They're learning, or that they must be tough. They're learning how to mask true feelings. In worst case scenarios, they're learning how to not feel anything ever. Hmm. Uh, These lessons are usually taught to males by other males and sexist mothers. Even boys raised in the most progressive loving households where parents encourage them to express emotions, learn a different understanding about masculinity and feelings on the playground, in the classroom, playing sports, or watching television. They may end up choosing patriarchal patriarchal masculinity to be accepted by other boys and affirmed by male authority figures. So maybe that last bit wasn't as important or sort of like distracting from just the idea that like lying to obscure feelings.
0: Yeah. Right. I think that is what feels like the summary. And that there's this really tiny range of emotions that are acceptable For boys and men. And boys learn that really early. And like, it kind of breaks my heart to say this, but I can see this in our son Mm -hmm. already, that he's allowed to be angry. He's allowed to be funny. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes silly. Right. But that a lot of those other, you know, more sensitive feelings or feelings that are more, aligned with femininity, he is hiding more and more. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that is the sort of compassionate childhood-focused, like, construction or idea of thinking about it, that, like, if we can't, if we're not allowed to have feelings, we're not socialized to not have feelings, then um, it's hard to tell the truth.
0: Especially because it's easy to be out of touch with your feelings and how those feelings are impacting your behavior and your choices. Right. You know, that's why I feel like often men or people who have this kind of hiding going on will be like, I don't know how I ended up here. I don't know. It just happened. Yeah. I just ran away to Mexico with this lady. I don't know. I just, you know, whatever. There's this kind of like real systematic disconnect from you know, feelings, choices, and actions and consequences.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of worth saying also before having that, like, really big experience that I was just talking about, um, I didn't have the vocabulary to be, like, like, I'm having a feeling or I feel activated and, like, any compassion about that towards myself. Like, I was always, like, if I had that feeling, I was always, like, oh, shit, something's wrong. I've done something wrong. I need to just make this feeling end. And, like, in the sort of abstract sense, I would be like, of course I thought that I could have feelings. But, like, thinking back, I mean, then and probably even now, like, that, like, having emotion is scary. And, like, not something that's really, like, I feel, like, attuned to or, like, kind of used to.
0: It's interesting because I think that maybe... The direct response, and this might lead us into what Bell Hook says about women, um, I think having desire is scary. Mm-hmm. Wanting something, mm-hmm. stating that, right. and really clearly advocating for it, which is what I was struggling to be able to do when it came to like wanting to get pregnant and have a kid. Um, that seems like, for me, where a lot of my lying tendencies come from, is that I would have to be like, I want a thing. I need to now communicate that I want that thing and I have to advocate for it even if somebody doesn't agree with me. Yeah. Um, and that makes me wanna like hide and sort of maneuver.
1: Yeah, okay, so I wanna know if this rings true for you on, on that note. Um, women are com- often comfortable lying to men in order to manipulate them t- to give us things we feel we want or deserve. We may lie to bolster a male's self-esteem. These lies may take the form of pretending to feel emotions we don't feel, uh, to pretending levels of emotional availability, emotional vulnerability, and neediness that are false. So I guess that's maybe actually kind of the opposite. Like you're talking about obscuring your own wants, and this is almost saying pretending to have wants that you don't have.
0: Well, I think there's both. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I hear there is. Um, it's interesting that she frames it as getting things we feel we deserve. Mm. I mean, that's the thing that really stood out to me. Um, Feel that we deserve but can't access directly in Mm -hmm. some way is maybe what I would add to it Mm -hmm. um, to describe that that experience for myself. That there are things that I feel like I... I deserve, <laughs> right. but uh, can't access directly. And I think that this also shows up a lot for me with money, which we might get to. Um, but just that feeling of, like, I deserve these things, I, but I can't say it directly and advocate for it. I have to, like, hide, hide that fact. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think with the fertility thing since that's where we've been like the manipulation seems so justified. Like that's like where my mind goes to because it's, it's like, okay, well here's a woman in a relationship with a man who probably has a fairly limited understanding of like the finer details of fertility and like what, you know, it's like, we all know about the period and then there, but there's like a lot more. Wait, what? Specificity. (laughs) There's more happening than they told you in science class. I mean, and I also, like, learned a lot more when I, like, went through fertility treatments than I had ever known before. But I think, like, there's this burden of knowledge and experience on women in that, you know, this realm is such a good example of that, right? Where you have to know all of this stuff that, like men don't have to know and so since it technically could be possible to accidentally get pregnant sooner than you want it just I don't know it just feels so like murky and there's so much plausible deniability and like just all of that it's right there
0: I would one up that I mean I think now I'm being able to access like some I- anger <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think that's there too and I, I do think I learned this from my family mm. um, that with, like, the fertility and reproduction piece, it's like, no, I don't want you to have a lot of input on this if Mm. you want to know the Mm. (laughs) truth. Like, I think there is a part of me that was like, I'm sorry. I, like, live in a world where abortion is just constantly being rolled back and I, you know, women have to think about and do these things in secret or certainly a generation ago they were. And Mm. many of the women I'm related to were seriously hurt and some of them killed through that. Like, now I'm just supposed to like kind of trust you with all the inner workings of this and like everybody's just like on the same page about it and like you should just be like super cool and vulnerable in that way. I'm not saying that's like my whole feeling about it, but I think it would be remiss for me to not mention that. Um, And so I think that informs sometimes my feelings of like, I deserve something and I can't directly state it somehow, and so I'm gonna like subversively try and access it. Right. This is yeah. I'm not super like proud of this part of myself, so <laughs> I'm not like, yay, girl power. <laughs> uh, girl power too.
1: Total um, total practice.
0: girl boss over here. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that starts to get into some of the more sort of like uh, elemental, uh, elemental, or maybe cynical. Or elementical.
0: Elementical. I love it. It's like the bedrock of cynicism.
1: (laughs) Mark it. I'm trademarking that word elementical. Um, (laughs) The things that Bell Hooks is talking about in here, she's writing 25 years ago. And I think in a little bit more of a, I don't know, like the, the, the paradigm seems like a little bit more kind of like extreme than probably like our relationship at that time or whatever. But like, you know, Certainly things like the idea of, like, I would never deceptively get pregnant. I think what she's talking about is, like, trying to, like, lock down a relationship through procreation. Like, you're not connected, cohabitating, and, like, then you're like, oh, but if I, you know, sort of deceptively get pregnant, then I'm going to have this connection to this person. And, like, yeah, that seems like a pretty... Not just unethical, but also a pretty bad idea.
0: It's interesting Um, in both of our examples, you can see that there's, like, these lingering shadows of more violent examples of both of these things. Right? You didn't have a physical affair that you hid from me for, like, years. You weren't, like, a serial uh, cheater, if you will. Uh I didn't, like, poke holes in the condom. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you can see how, like, these dynamics... Are like these shadowy dynamics are there and once we were talking about them I'm like this is all over my family too mm. like I just see this everywhere of course that's what I it's easy to absorb and hard to extract
1: yeah and I think the shadow version of the sort of compassionate readings of you know masculine and feminine lying um, dishonesty with self and others are like domination and sort of like pleasing um, mm-hmm. as access to power you know like the she I think one she says men lie to amass power or protect power and like women lie basically for the same reason but from a position of um, not having that power because of patriarchy and whatnot
0: patriarchy and whatnot that's another great book title that I'd like to just throw out Uh, if any publishers are listening
1: an, an elementical view of patriarchy and whatnot my um, dissertation
0: so yeah okay you know taking a step back here um why does it feel relevant to talk about this now 25 years later why does it feel relevant to talk about it in the context of non-monogamy, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Why why did this like chapter of a book that was written 25 years ago, using like some language and ideas that feel kind of dated to us, still hit?
1: Because non-monogamous people are completely honest with each other all the time. Yeah, exactly. And have transcended all That's of right. these elementical deception.
2: <laughs> we solve <laughs> the patriarchy
1: <laughs> and whatnot.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> with non-monogamy. Uh-huh. And... End of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you guys have to be. Right. Oh, okay.
2: We'll take a break.
1: Okay, I, I think there was some truth to the joke before the break that, like, there's probably more open communication, if only because if you're a uh, couple in a monogamous relationship and you decide to transition to having a non-monogamous relationship, you have to have some conversations that include admission of some interest in doing that, right? So like mapping back to me when I was telling you those lies, I was not ready to say to myself or to you that I had an interest in doing that. Um, And like even that in and of itself, even though it does not make for absolutely open, perfect honesty and communication, it is a step. Right,
0: I think so. I mean, it comes back to that quote that I'm not sure is mine. I think it's probably someone else's who's smarter than me. Um, And so I'll look that up. But the idea that non-monogamy isn't for everyone, maybe isn't even for most people, and everyone benefits from having a conversation about it, I think for this exact reason, that being able to be in touch with your own desires, needs, and wants, In a relationship, in intimate, romantic, sexual relationships, and communicate that to a partner, risking saying things that that partner may not like or might not agree with, and then hearing that in turn, and then being able to sit with that. And like, just that, like building those muscles, non monogamy does require an interest in building and exercising those muscles. And I do Mm -hmm. think that that helps with all of this um, because we're, you know. what all of this has in common is that we are out of touch with ourselves. And then that creates these scenarios where we're lying to the people that we're supposed to feel the safest with and the closest to. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it can also very easily be a way for, uh, you know, men to just do more of that domination and power amassing uh, sort of cliche that bell hooks was talking about and i guess for women to um sort of like further acquiesce to what they think that their partner or even their other partners want right
0: so what you're saying is there's nothing about like the act of non-monogamy that is like inherently going to just like bust up these dynamics you have to also have an interest in busting up some of these dynamics of like yeah. uh how the patriarchy is operating, especially between men and women.
1: Yeah, and I I guess that makes me want to like throw out a couple of examples of things that we've heard recently, like sort of scenarios related to non-monogamous couples um, where some of this stuff continued to come up. Um, So in one of them, it was like a couple that had chosen to like sort of decided together to open their relationship um, and it seemed like, you know, in the telling of it seemed like a very like kind of mutual agreement. Everybody was into that. Um, and in theory they moved to having much more honest communication, but then it was later discovered that the husband had been, uh, had a relationship prior to that, like had been cheating prior to that and nothing about the, all of the communication about opening their relationship and, you know, doing that for a number of years, I think, made him feel like he could tell her about mm. you know, the, the cheating before that, even though, practically speaking, the actions were the same.
0: It's that line from the clip, you had so many chances to tell me, mm-hmm. you had so many chances to tell me. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What happened to that couple after it was revealed?
1: They are no longer a couple. Mm.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that these, these dynamics are hard, even when we have like these newer tools, um, to try and talk about them and surface some of that shadow and explore it together. This is deep stuff. Um, and it gets passed down to us, um, kind of whole cloth sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's, like, tempting for me to try to um, not necessarily, like, empathize with that guy in that story, but, like, think about, like, what was going on for him. Like, I think that it's just very often just, like, the rationalizations could be things like, well, if I tell you that, if I tell my partner this, it will hurt them. And what's the point of hurting them, right? Right. Especially if that's like a thing that was over, it's in the past. It would be better for me to not to spare them the pain of that. Um, I mean, I could see that as being one rationalization. I don't know if there are others.
2: So, what do, But what do we think about that one? I've been thinking about that idea so much recently. It just somehow has come up in tons of conversations. And like, you know, I think about a really difficult time that I had with my mom a couple of years ago where like, I just... I really needed her to help me take care of my dad in a way that she was not planning to do. And I was so upset about it, but also I was like, ugh, but I don't wanna like have this conversation with her because that sounds worse than just dealing with the annoying stuff that I'm dealing with. And I know it's not gonna even work. um, But I, you know, I decided to do it. I like told her that it was really hurting me that she was gonna like, leave the country when we needed her a lot um and she was really mad you know it was like it was rough she Mm -hmm. was super upset I was super upset she still went on the trip I was mad it was tons of work for me and my brother and it's like the best thing that has probably ever happened in my relationship with my mom in my adult life um and like not a lot of people that I'm interested in, like having those are, you know, it's so hard, mm-hmm. but it's good, you know? And so I think in all of our relationships, like if we want it to be better or more intimate, I guess. It's like you have to just decide, okay, now is the time. I'm going to have this annoying conversation. And I've been thinking, I told y'all this is the journey I'm on right now, like thinking about having those conversations with ourselves too. Mm -hmm. You know, admitting maybe what we're lying to our partners about or to ourselves about as a first step in that.
0: Mm. Yeah. And it's pretty difficult to imagine that you can do that and not risk being abandoned, right. which I think is at root probably what most of us are afraid of. Um, I know that Bell Hooks' theory about the domination in power, it's, it's real, it's important, um, the patriarchy and the way it operates. But I think one thing that like men, women, everybody have in common here is that we don't actually want to be abandoned. We don't mm-hmm. want to be left we don't want to show these parts of ourselves that we think are unacceptable and have someone important to us say yeah gross i'm out right because that wound that sort of wounding feels intolerable like the scariest thing that we can possibly imagine so it's a huge risk
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's like in some ways yeah it can feel feel like you're protecting yourself by not Having those conversations, not you know telling those truths, uh, but it's also like sharing yourself with that person, making yourself more vulnerable and like allowing yourself to be more, more intimate and connected with them, like giving them the chance to accept you, um, which is kind of like what the lady was doing in that clip. Um, however, that worked out.
0: And it does, you know, <laughs>
2: mysterious.
0: <laughs> It does make me think about non-monogamy, how we can repeat some of these patterns, how um, even when we're having relationships that look different. And this maybe calls back to an episode that we did about desire, power mm-hmm. and desire. Um, but as you were describing, the ways that we can like still hide and lie, even when we really explicitly don't have to, I was remembering like the first couple of months of sleeping with other people when we opened up our relationship. And how I was not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. I did not like it. It was not fun for me. Um, And I was (laughs) was going out with people and just being like, lying to myself, lying to them, because Mm -hmm. I was trying to prove something, right? And any number of things. Um, And finally, you know, like two, probably three or four months into that, I just had an encounter where I was like, okay. This is like the third time that having sex with a man has felt like this. And I have not said anything. I am clearly not in a position where I want to be like having this kind of sex with men. And I don't know how to even say that to myself or to them. Mm. I need to back off here (laughs) and like go figure out what is going on with me. Um, So that I can like actually engage in this in a way that like feels honest and not like I'm just doing this pleasing, hiding, acquiescing, proving weird shit that I clearly do when I'm in uncomfortable spaces.
1: Yeah. Well, and not to make it all about me, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it's uh, interesting to think about like how that was uh, also relative to me and our sort of decision together as a couple to like open our relationship like was... um, withholding your the truth about your experience of that yeah for my benefit right like you probably didn't want to be like you know maybe for both of our benefits i don't know maybe i don't need to speculate about like the reasoning but like you didn't want to be like this isn't fun it fucking sucks i don't like it right even if that's might have been how it felt you didn't really like want to I don't I remember you talking about it being hard, but I don't remember you ever kind of writ large being like, you know, this is really difficult.
0: Yeah. Jessica probably remembers that because I I did feel safer telling her that. Yeah, Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I had my pride, too, which doesn't help in these scenarios Mm. much. But yeah, that's there. Non-monogamy doesn't save us. From mm. ourselves. <laughs> That's damn <Really>? sure. Mm. <laughs> how does that relate to pride? Oh, I think in that case, like, I didn't want to admit how hard it was for me because doing that would also admit, like, some unresolved, like, wounding around sexual assault that I had, um, some residual hurt from your relationship with your coworker that I didn't want to look at. I just wanted to be like, yeah, this is great. Everything's fine. Let's just go out and have sex with other people. This should solve all of that, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, And then, you know, I was like, oh, this is just the same thing over and over and over again. And I do think that that is a way that, at least for me, non-monogamy has helped with some of these patterns. Because, boy, do they, like, are they hard to ignore? When they keep showing up over and over and over again with multiple people. Right. You're not just like,
1: this is my relationship with this one person. It's like, this is my relationship with every person, AKA myself.
0: AKA myself and, or sort of some of these gender dynamics that we're talking about. And you have to start doing a lot more elaborate lying to yourself and others to not look (laughs) at it for what it is. And -hmm. I think I just ran out of rope on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, that's it. That's all I've got in the lying department. Now it's time for me to actually face some hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Fun. <laughs> 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 so, so, is it Friday afternoon or what, everybody? Hey, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a like a note here about this thing that you've you, I've heard you say in the past that is like I find coming I'm coming back to you all the time and is really helpful. Um, sort of as reference that like instinctually uh, men view women as the holders of their goodness or like, like allow women to be the holders of their goodness and women view men or perhaps men can actually be the holders of women's access to power. Yeah. Um, Hmm.
0: I think about that a lot too.
1: And I think that that, characterizes a lot of the like dishonesty or, or lies in relationships between men and women it's like if I let you know about the bad things that I do or think or feel then like I'll lose that to connection to your goodness or like a goodness together like you are the innocent one who, right um,
0: and that like comes back to the dynamics that we were talking about in the show that one person is sort of like seen as innocent or too easily hurt or like all these ways that it's actually an expression of disrespect. Mm, Like that idea that men are like, women are the holder of moral goodness and like Mm -hmm. sexual morality and all of these things because they are more innocent, less complicated, not actually like uh, in positions to hold complex nuanced ideas all at once. I mean, it is inherently like a condescending
1: right attitude they couldn't hang with the the hard truths of the (laughs) real world of masculine power
0: right (laughs) and I could not just for the record I can't (laughs) I can't hang with that please nobody (laughs) expect me to hang with that me neither (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then this idea that men hold women's access to power and that like through these intimate relationships is how we get access to that masculine power um that's what like patriarchy tells us about each other. And that's supposed to be, I think, presented as the motivation for us, like, having chemistry with each other and wanting to be together, like that's supposed to be some sort of reciprocity between us, but in fact, like you can see that it's just like huge distance between men and women and Mm -hmm. our ability to be like complex, intimate with each other, Honest with ourselves to be, and I mean, this is maybe where we get into queerness here at the end to also be more complicated than these binary gendered archetypes. Mm. Right. Um, and for us to be able to access parts of ourselves that are masculine and feminine and non gendered and, you know, share that with each other.
1: It also like assumes that men can and do hold that power. Mm which i think yeah is absolutely true like sort of relatively speaking like yeah the patriarchy is real uh you know just by default men have more power but then you see like men who are having the experience of feeling disempowered completely like alienated from sexuality and relationships with women because they're like but i don't have any power they have all the power but i'm supposed to have the power and like just this like massive confusion around like how am i supposed to show up according to these scripts if they're not like speaking to me. I mean, it just ugh, it sucks. It's toxic as fuck. Yeah. It's yeah. hella toxic. Yeah.
0: Um, and even like the yeah. mildest version of it is hella toxic. And then the most toxic version of it is fucking nuclear.
1: Yeah. When I was doing research for this episode or when we were talking about it, I, like, ended up down some incel rabbit hole that I could not later replicate. We
0: will not be playing those clips.
1: No. I was trying to find him, but I couldn't find him again, which is great. Um, But, uh, you know, one of them was, like, this woman who was supposed to be, like, keeping it real, talking about uh, what women are actually like and she was like oh girls you know what you do you know how you're like manipulating men to you know and basically she was just saying yeah we're just all out here like lying to get access to male power Hmm. and like that was supposed to be a bad thing which (laughs) I guess in that framework it kind of is but also
0: I'm just like in that framework I'm just like sort of morally neutral about that I'm just like okay yeah I mean that sounds Horrible. Right. For you is maybe what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, right. But I, I can so see why you're doing it. I'm
1: like really compelled to say that, like, in that is all horrible. And it's also the water that we've, like, we're definitely for people our age, we're like sexualized in and like learned in. And so it's going to come up yeah. in our relationships and in sex and in like, and playing with it is going to be there and is okay. And it might make you feel better about it too. Absolutely. And like most of, there's like a lot of like kind of power dynamics yes. stuff that happens. And I don't want to sound like we're like, and that fucking, you shouldn't do that or something like that. Like, no, no, yeah. no.
0: And like, if we can, that's what I'm talking about. Just like pulling the shadow mm-hmm. up and like getting curious about it. It's not eradicating it. It's not judging it. It's not like, we can't like, we are all of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like, let's talk about how this gets in between us and keeps us from being close to each other. Um, And play with it, dismantle it, like make it more dynamic and flexible, laugh at it where we can, um, so that we can like integrate some of that shadow and get to be a little more complex and a little closer to each other, which is actually what I think we all want, okay? (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I just yeah. have one oh. quick question. <laughs> I was just going to
2: add the podcast right there. But okay, ahead, <laughs> well, I was just wondering. Continue this later, but I was just wondering if you guys have lied to each other recently, like Sarah earlier when we were talking about what time we were. How long was going to take you to pack?
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. I definitely lied that it was going to take me 20 minutes to pack. And I think yeah. that was a complicated lie because I think you also knew that that was a lie as I was saying it.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I did probably, but
0: still
2: maybe not good. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. What else? What else you got?
0: Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, I was realizing that I thought the conversation that we had had about like the kind of toxic monogamous scripts mm. was with you but actually it was with Jessica yeah. and one of the reasons why I forgot about that is because we were drunk
2: oh oh i thought it was what uh huh I, I thought think, it was at the nail salon no i no, think we were drunk no i think
0: we were drunk <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know look at <laughs> us embodying a lot of like, were we at the mail yeah. salon? Were we at the mall?
0: Were we drunk? Was it white why, yeah, why not ice? Yes, yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah. but Own, it. I, Own it, girls. I mentioned that because I remember I came in and I was like, oh, I shouldn't have drunk and smoked so much. Oh, I'm so bad. And then you're like, well, how much did you drink and smoke? And I was like, Pfft. I had like 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 two drinks and like the cigarette was really bad. And then uh-huh. I was like, why am I lying? Yeah. I, mean, I definitely had more <laughs> drinks and more cigarettes than that, and both of us know it. Uh-huh. So
1: Yeah, which is interesting, mm. like, inconsequential to me in some ways, but, like, you were doing that because you wanted to... Like, did you think I was going to judge you about it? No, you were judging yourself about it, right?
0: I am judging myself about it, and then... I just want you to absolve me of it, but then I was like, it'll be too bad if I tell him it's three drinks and two cigarettes. Huh? You won't be able to absolve me. <laughs> wow. I don't know. What's I
1: hereby right. absolve you with really? my you. inherent power as a man.
2: <laughs>
0: Thanks.
1: You are without sin, my child. I
0: don't think that's actually how you do the sign of the cross. No, not but at all. Nice Good. try. Nobody can see. Nice try. Uh, well, I feel like mine
1: are like way worse. Like uh, It's usually too in, inside my head to protect your feelings, so like... The other day when I was, like, going out with somebody for the first time. And you were like, what are you guys going to do? And, like, we had planned to go to a bar. And then, like, before we had that conversation, she had been like, why don't you just come over? And I was like, okay. And then when you asked me what we were going to do again or whatever, then I was just like, yeah, we're going to that bar.
0: Um, and, like. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Sucks. Why did I do that? I don't know. I just, like, didn't want you to. Have to have the feeling of like being like, oh, they're gonna hook up, even though like we had had a conversation about that, how that was fine. I felt, I guess maybe I felt ashamed in the same way. Right. I was like ashamed to be having a more like hookup y date as opposed to like, you know, and in your mind, you were probably like, they're gonna go to a bar and then go back to her house and hook up. So it's like not that. Well, I believe what I
0: said was I'm like, is this like more of a hookup thing or going directly to her house? (laughs) I'm like, roll tape on that one, people.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I didn't want to tell you the truth about that. And then I was like, but it's like stuff like that is so, I don't know if you feel like it's consequential or inconsequential or whatever. But. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
0: I don't, I mean, I think the. The compulsion to do it, which you know, you and I both are still struggling with Mm -hmm. is not something that we should judge. I think that's like what I'm trying to, where I'm trying to hopefully land with this is like, it's not our fault that these are the dynamics that we were raised in, that Mm -hmm. we were taught, that we were shown, that we're just like presented as the only option that is going to come up in us. And we can't just, like, surgically remove it or mm-hmm. decide, like, we're too cool for it. It's just right. there. Yeah. And I think, like, the best we can do is what we just did, which is be like, okay. Record ourselves coming clean. Here's how it still shows up, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and be like, that's okay. We can deal with that. We can yeah. have, like, capacity for that in ourselves and each other.
1: Yeah, and I guess I understand why you're doing it and like what, what, what you're getting out of it or rather what you're losing in doing it. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, I'll do, I'm going to do this to spare Sarah's feelings. But in fact, I'm sparing myself having to potentially be, sit with your feelings.
0: Or I think we, more maybe to the point, we lose out on the possibility for like healing and intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in both of those cases where I lied about the smoking and drinking and you lied about the going directly to someone's house... I suspect for both of us, it would have been pretty accessible to be like, that's fine. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's okay. I love you. Right. Have fun. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to do stuff. that's a little bad. Yeah. Right. And then we would have felt closer to each other and a little more healed in ourselves. And mm-hmm. that would have been nice. Yeah. Next time. Yep. Oh,
1: well. <laughs> Too late.
0: <laughs>
1: Fuck that up. <laughs>
0: I'm guessing there's gonna be another okay, opportunity well, all, get another chance.
1: <laughs> yeah thank you for that question Jessica mm-hmm. we're gonna get away without answering that one but yeah. I should have put
2: it on the script if I don't want to talk about it don't ask questions you don't
0: want answers to
2: I love that that was so sweet and I really hope that for you guys that you know the next time this comes up you get to you know Say the truth and have that that emoji with the tears dropping out of its eyes. Nice. Yeah. That's how I felt.
1: Well, let's try right now, Thanks, Sarah. Jess. You better go pack. How long do you think it's gonna take you?
0: It's gonna take me a half an hour. It's gonna take me a fat half an hour. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Well, Thanks.
1: then we better go. Thank you so much for listening to Mistakes Were Made. We'll be back soon with another episode. Um, we've been getting a lot of really nice positive feedback recently. Um, so if you have some, lay it on us. Tell us the truth about how great this podcast is. <laughs> or don't hold back. Uh, we want your input. Um, and if this is, these conversations are like... Feeling helpful or at very least entertaining to you, please uh spread the word and let other people know. Um you can find us on Instagram at mistakescast and you can also email us at gmail. Mistakescast at gmail.com.
0: Thanks everybody. Thank we'll you. see you next time.